This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the wonderful world of Remnant Radio. My name is Joshua Lewis. Today, we're talking about the demons. Uh, But before we dive in, you guys uh, enjoy this beautiful B-roll footage. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Man, I really wish that I was able to like cut over to Michael, who is getting it over there dancing with this music every single time he's just over there like every time is it a salsa michael what is that you're doing well, over there uh, you i don't really know there? there it is there it is oh, man. Man. Not, that, that would be a good gift for something i'm not what, sure how would we label that one uh do it do it one more time miller give us I, give I us a little i can't do it on call i just it okay. comes out well, just... that's, that's what he does when we cast the demons out of him well today in this episode <laughs> we're so we take theology seriously but we don't take ourselves all that seriously Not in this episode all. we got to be a little bit careful because it's a sim- sensitive subject as uh man people have been oppressed and there's going to be a lot of disagreement uh throughout christian thought and, and right now some christians are going to say hey christians can be demonized other people are going to say christians can't be demonized we're going to be careful in how we talk about this because we don't want to create shame uh, for anyone who is demonized. But ultimately, what we do want to talk about is how to get people free. In this episode, we're kind of going to be talking about a lot of the introductory, the kind of introductory stuff, the kind of 101 on the devils, uh, a lot of misconceptions, talk about some of that. But before we do that, Michael, you tell us about some of the shows we got coming up. Yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm super excited to have uh, Dr. Matthew Barrett on the show next week. And we're talking about the Trinity. He wrote a book called Simply Trinity. And it's uh you know, it's a really good book on the Trinity. It comes from, the, of course, the Western Protestant tradition, but uh, as we're Protestant, but uh, very good book. It's going to be super informative uh, talking about Trinity drift. Uh, so that'll be on Monday. And then the 10 minute Bible hour guy. Uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Whitman. He's going to be on the show. He was supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago. And uh, anyway, now he's going to be on uh, tomorrow. So uh, anyway, make sure you hit that subscribe button and also uh, check out some of our episodes from this week. If you're interested in Reformed theology at all, we had Joel Webbin talking about the 1689 London Baptist Confession. We also had Sean McDowell uh, on the, the show talking about the fate of the apostles. So two kind of dives into history this week. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but this week uh, on To Be Continued, we're talking about demons. And so um, Miller... Introduce us, well, before you even introduce us to the subject, how are you doing over there, basement boy? Uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad to be back in Denver. I spent the last two weeks on vacation, so last week when you guys heard me, I was down in Corpus Christi, and then now I'm back with my church in Denver, Colorado, and got to preach last night uh, at the Reclamation Church, which was just felt, it's a good feeling when you know you're coming back home, and it's nice, like you want to be back home, so yeah. I'm just glad to be here. Awesome. 
Dude, we got somebody from Czechoslovakia and Argentina in our chat already. That's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, international folk, uh, to the show. So, uh, did you say anything about Patreon yet? No, we could we could do we could talk to Patreon stuff. If you guys don't already know, we have a book club uh, for Patreon. We're doing through Kingdom of the Cults this week. We're talking about Mormonism. Uh, you can check out Patreon links in the description of this video. Uh, just patreon.com forward slash the remnant radio. So it's five bucks a month. You get a lot of extra content on there. We just did an interview with a guy from Bethel discussing Bethel theology, kind of his experience from there. Uh, and then in addition to that, if you guys don't already know, we've got this really, really cool prophetic conference coming up. Uh, you get a discount promo code up in the top left corner there, but you go to propheticreformationokc.com. Uh, a lot of the OG Remnant Radio guys are going to be at that conference talking about prophecy, talking about keeping the prophetic on the straight and narrow and all, all that righteousness. Things. So yeah. check out cool. those things. Links in the description. Yeah, going to be good. Okay, so uh, as we're talking about demons, there's a whole lot of crazy out there when oh, we yeah. talk about demons. And a whole lot of people have this whole process that they walk through, and it's a very, uh, a very involved process. And um, I don't know; almost sounds to me like the the Jewish exorcist, and, the, and they'd have this like very long process that they would walk through to to cast out demons. And and uh, and, and so what we want to talk about is we just we just want to go to what does the Bible say? Not like what is such and such professional exorcist say and what what is this process about but like just what does the bible say about demons demonology uh and, and so this is going to be introductory uh michael i just want to start by asking you because this is uh, you're kind of as you're kind of driving this uh content uh today um why is this subject so important to you that we discuss Ah, uh, okay important to me um well, probably because I think at some level, which uh, this sort of fits within the remnant framework is on some level, this stuff has not been taught from an evangelical perspective. Um, I guess it's evangelical in the sense that the Pentecostals are talking about, the Charismatics are talking about it. But but uh, within a, a what I would say is a healthy theological framework, it doesn't get discussed that much. I think Michael Heiser's done a good job with bringing some of this into the limelight again. Um, but so the, 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 there's that component to it. I'd like to see a healthy practice for people to get free from evil spirits. They absolutely are real. Um, and then on a more on a personal note, I would say that I was uh, afflicted by an evil spirit for a large chunk of my life. Uh, a couple different ones. Uh, one that, that sort of entered the door through abuse that I suffered as a kid and another one through uh, rejection and abandonment I had as a kid. Okay. And so uh, it was a long process of getting free, and it was uh, obviously a life-changing thing for me to get free. So okay. let's, um, let's save, that's part of it. Let's save like the last five to ten minutes, I think, of the episode and have Miller tell his story on that a little bit. Cool. What do you think? So yeah, sure. We'll save a little bit. So if you guys are listening, because there's some uh, some people you're, you're listening, you're watching, and maybe you need to be set free. Maybe you've been abused or have uh, have deep shame in your life or rejection. The same issues that Michael just mentioned. Not saying that every time that happens that there's a demon involved, but sometimes there is. And so Michael will share his story uh, at the end of the show. But uh, so, Michael, for you, the big thing was freedom, you actually getting free. So it was, it was kind of a sanctification journey for you. OK, well, Absolutely. Uh, so di dive into the subject. This is uh, your, your content today, bud. Yeah, it's my content. But let's be honest, Michael, you and I have both borrowed a great deal from Jack Deere and others that you and I both have, sure. have learned from. And so I think my notes for the show today, uh, I mean, I, I plagiarized most of it from him from years ago when I was at Wellspring and he was teaching on this stuff. So um, 
I think as we uh, just sort of lay out the framework for the conversation today, we want to talk about uh, just some misconceptions people have about uh, evil spirits, about the enemy himself, the devil, um, and the role of the Christian that's uh, in that. We want to talk about the language that we use and how we talk about these things. Uh, we want to talk about answer questions like, can a Christian be demonized? Um, and, uh, and, and try to put that in perspective as well. Like, should we be as believers constantly concerned that maybe we have something, um, and, and sort of help deflate some of the fear that's around that demystified, if you will. And then the hope is to, on some level after that, talk about where this stuff comes from, uh, and, uh, how does a person get demonized? How do they get afflicted by it? How do they get free? Uh, how do we, uh, cast out demons. And um, I think all of this will take place over two weeks. So we'll, we'll start the conversation today, knowing that the episode we have next week is where we're going to finish the conversation. And then I think after that, we'll do uh, one of those question response times. Uh, so uh, Josh, maybe you could talk about that. What, what can people do to send in their questions? Yeah, if you guys have a question, you can film your question. Uh, a lot of people have uploaded them to like Dropbox and they they email me them at media at theremnantradio.com. Uh, others just upload them to Facebook Messenger. Um, but the best place to reach me is like a minute long video. If it's longer than two minutes, it won't even won't even be considered. Um, but yeah, try to keep your question brief and small. Email me at media at theremnantradio.com. If your question specifically has to do with the demonic, uh, we take those and those get priority. Uh, if it doesn't have to do with the demonic, we'll kind of put it in the, in the queue and then we'll answer those questions as they come in. So just kind of film yourself, ask a quick question, and we will play it on air as we have in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Miller, uh, let me ask you, because you were uh, introdu- introducing sort of uh, our, our path today, and you mentioned misconceptions as they relate to perspective. And so uh, what are one or two of those perspectives that we need to get realigned as we begin to have this conversation uh, about demons? Yeah, so I think that that picture of a, a ditch on both sides of the road, like that metaphor is a really helpful one because I see two different main misconceptions or ditches that people fall into. And one of them is overinflating the power of the enemy. Um, you know, where you, where you, when you think about the enemy, like, oh, let's not talk about that because I don't want something bad to happen. Um, and that that is overinflating the power of the enemy. The other side of the ditch would be... Uh, uh, like you ever see the movie, The Usual Suspects, where he says the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so that, that would be another side of it. Uh, one, the overinflation um, and then the uh, failing to recognize the enemy is real and that he does have real power. So um, I, I guess maybe we should just have a discussion first on what are some ways that you guys have seen people overinflate the power of the enemy that doesn't line up with a biblical uh, demonology. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I, I think the obsession can go in a couple of directions. I, th- I think um, uh, it, it can go in the direction of like obsessing over and constantly like reading about demons. And then uh, I, I think probably the one that like scares me the most uh, for the people of God is when, um, it, you know, we've started to see New Age infiltrate the church and people saying like, we're going to uh, we're going to take New Age, we're going to redeem it for the people of God. And so they study all these things on witchcraft. They study mm-hmm. all these things on New Age and all these st- things on just like demons and what they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in uh, the book of Revelation, it, it's uh, Jesus says uh, something, I believe it's to the church in Thyatira, uh, and he's pronouncing a blessing or reward for those who, quote, don't know the deep things of Satan. <clears throat> and so... 
if we're really going to be exploring the depths of something, let it be the depths of God, not of Satan. And yeah. uh, and we don't really need to redeem New Age because everything Satan does is a counterfeit of what God has already done. So Satan's the one who's stealing our stuff anyway. So we don't need to go to him to get to get ideas. We focus on the Lord. We focus on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we don't need to obsess about that. The other direction I've seen it go is... Uh, is you know people like to tell stories and like and then the person spoke in this deep voice and I oh, yeah. saw this you know I, I've seen this especially like in missionary type stories where it's like uh, you know I've heard a story like and then the person crawled on top of the ceiling and they were sticking to the ceiling and roll eyes will, I mean <laughs> like I don't know sure. like and I'm not saying it can't happen but I'm just saying like there almost seems to be just uh, this over fascination over with what the devil can do and. Um, the devil can do some powerful things, but every, uh, but the Lord does more powerful things. You know, uh, Moses's serpent ate the serpents of, uh, Pharaoh's wise men and sorcerers. So, uh, anyway, so that's a few of the things I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I'd see the number one thing I've seen is, uh, the kind of like a Gnostic teaching surrounding, uh, exorcism. Right. Like you mentioned the Jewish uh, kind of folklore that kind of that was surrounding demonic activity back in the day. And here's the 36 steps that you have to do to get free. And, you know, there there have been a lot uh, because the Bible, you know, it talks about casting out demons like go or it didn't go and it mm-hmm. beat up a bunch of guys and they ran out of a room naked. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like the, the stories Such that sur- even the biblical story. stories that surround the the demonic are just obscure and odd and weird, mm-hmm. and uh, because of that, uh, the people who do want to speak on demonology excessively often speak from their experience and speak from well. And then I ask the demon its name, and then I ask the demon these sixteen different things, and 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 then we just assume that these demons are going to tell you the truth, and they're you know, Satan's called the father of lies. And like, we're actually getting our demonology of how to cast out demons from the demon by commanding him to tell us how to get him out. And, and I just, I just, you yeah. just see all kinds of wacky stuff uh, that comes as a byproduct of people's experiences. And we just want scripture to kind of, uh, to guide our conversation. Uh, and I would say that the, the one area that we have just allowed this to get out of hand is again, kind of a Gnostic teaching. And then things that have been fueled by Hollywood, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the, the biggest stories that we see uh, that are, dramatized in the Hollywood space and horror films uh, are, are from these kinds of demonic spaces, demonic realms. And I think that we, we have given a, a bunch of imagination to the power of demonic rather than the glory of God and the power of God. I mean, the, the scriptures seem to indicate that Jesus was able to cast out 99.9% of these demons with a single word um, mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, the forces of darkness that are keeping all these guys bound. He just said, leave or go and they fled so uh, uh i think that when the scripture speaks of this it's actually demonstrating the glorious and mighty power of god and it's not trying to overemphasize the power of the demonic and yeah you've got to be prayed up brother and you got to be this and you got to be that when you're tailing with demons because it's like yeah but we have authority like that's the whole point yeah um yeah uh, yeah. yeah you know it makes me think of a quote uh, by a guy named neil lozano who has a deliverance ministry i read one of his one or two of his books a while back but he says deliverance is as much uh deliverance is as much about demons as the exodus was about pharaoh and that's, so it's like that's fire know, it's about the people of god being rescued and redeemed that's and so, good uh, and i and i loved what you said about the scripture being our guide because 
again, it's the long prayers. Pray the, this 47 pages, and you can yeah. be delivered from the Mason's curse. Uh, you know, uh, say these long prayers, do these long things, and uh, and you know, and then sometimes it's just like saying weird things. Like I, I know of a deliverance guy where he would he would say things like, uh, "I sever the." I, I sever the threefold cord that is binding this demon. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, and he's like, well, I find that sometimes demons have a, a certain cord. And, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like renouncing right? certain yeah. geographical spirits, like this Leviathan oh, Yeah, then that's a whole new whatever. level. Uh, yeah, and then so, you've got territory. So Miller, you, and... you opened up a whole lot there. I mean, what, yes, what about did. you? Did we miss anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me, let me add one thing to this. Um, so when we talk about the enemy, he's not omnipresent. So one of the overinflating of the power of the enemy that's that I good. see mistakes happening is... Uh, People, sorry, am I, am I cutting out on you guys? Yeah, it's it's kind of odd. No, you're you're loading back in. Okay. Can Go you ahead. hear me clearly, though? Uh, yeah, I can hear you clearly. All right. Well, this would be a great example. Many people watch this and go, "Ah, it's a demon causing the delay in the internet." <laughs> uh, and, and that's that's one of the things I would avoid. We don't want to see the devil behind every door. Uh, we don't want to over spiritualize everything that's going on. And that, that can happen in both directions uh, where we can say something's an angel, something's a demon, something's God. When in reality, it's just sort of a natural event. There's a very natural, normal explanation for it. So uh, that's one way people do it. Another thing to remember is that the opposite of the devil is not God. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're not even, even on the same playing field. The opposite of the devil might be someone like Mark, um, Michael, the archangel. But even then, the devil loses. And so uh, that would be a mistake to do is to, to make your devil very big and your God very small. Um, yeah. And then let's talk about the other side of that as well. Like, how do we how do we fail to give proper due to the enemy? Um, how do we ignore the fact that the enemy even exists? Um, I mean, we, we psychologize a lot, you know, like we're going through the kingdom of the cults books right now and we can make a lot of these cult practices. Uh, you know, that's just some wacky guy who's trying to, make a bunch of money. And yet Paul's telling us there are, there are literally spirits that portray themselves as angels of light and they're, they're, they're angels of darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're bringing in these divisive heresies and these demonic teachings. Uh, and we, we try to wrestle against flesh and blood when we're really actually wrestling spiritual principalities and, and thoughts that are demonically inspired that mm-hmm. raise themselves against the knowledge of Christ. And we see this in a lot of the teachings, um, because that's how First John tells us to test the spirits is how they talk about Jesus, right? How do they profess the name of Christ? So, um, yeah, I, I think that one of the things that we do is we over psychologize things. Uh, we try to miss the we try to dis- yeah dismiss everything supernatural and try to just try to flatten it out as as a naturalistic as possible and try to uh, uh, use a naturalistic worldview to make sense of things uh, that happen. Uh, that that's I guess my my, okay. my go to. Miller, ask the question one more time. How do we how do we fail to recognize the power of the enemy? The opposite ditch. One we overinflate, the other we pretend like he's not even there. Yeah. I mean, I just think a huge key is we've got to uh, I mean, I think that if if you're going to be really involved in uh in casting demons out, you really need to pray for the gift of discernment of spirits. I mean, that's pivotal yeah. uh to be able uh, th- I mean, that's what I I I just use that. I just use that spiritual gift. So I I uh, and what that gift tells me is that there isn't a, a demon under every ditch. I mean, I just tend to have a sense of where one is. Uh, hey, I was paying attention there in the chat here. There's a question that's been asked and then somebody else said that's a great question. So uh, I think we should ask it. So that's can it. demons, this is Elijah McGrath, can demons know our thoughts? Not is he just still actions? in a bathtub? 
<laughs> Elijah. <laughs> uh, Josh really wants you to update your little uh, profile photo there. <laughs> he knows. He knows. I've been on him for a while. Okay. So, uh, can demon? So, Miller, uh, can demons know our thoughts? Um, that's a complicated question. So, I don't think so. I think they're very familiar with mankind and the type of things that mankind typically thinks. Uh, but I think a better question, or sorry, a different question that might be affirmative is. Can demons influence thoughts? And can they plant uh, thoughts? I, I would say, yeah, can they plant thoughts? And I would say there's not a lot of biblical precedent. Well, I, actually, I think there kind of is. Um, you know, we're told that we're taking every thought captive uh, to the obedience of Christ, that there's this knowledge that's raised up against the knowledge of God. It's strongholds of the mind. Um, and so it seems like on some level there are demonic ways of thinking that need to be torn down and replaced with truth that we find in scripture and in Christ. Um, I also, when I, and that this one's a kind of a stretch, but I think it, I think it fits is like when you see Jesus being tempted, he's taken up to a mountain and he's shown all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, well, tell me a mountain where you can literally see every kingdom of the earth. Um, so I would imagine on some level, this is a demonic vision, something taking place in the mind of Jesus where the enemy is trying to tempt him to a shortcut to retaking the, the kingdoms of the earth. Um, so can a demon know your thoughts? Well, maybe if he's planted that thought there. Uh, yeah. But he's not omniscient. He no. he can't know your every thought. We know that. And we know Psalm 139, the Lord, uh, the Lord has, well, okay, that's actually the Lord's thoughts toward us outnumber the, the sands of the seashore. Never mind. So <laughs> actually, if you if you really studied it, it can go. Either Michael, way. Michael is like a uh, like blue litter Bible. He just typed in thoughts and, and started like rolling through his Rolodex of scriptures. And then he got halfway through it. And he goes, oh, wait a second. Oh, that never one's, mind. That never one's mind. not about devils. All right, next question. <laughs> OK, so uh, there was something else that someone said, uh, and this falls into the misconception. Uh, I think it was E.N.E. -E. I don't know. NA. I'm not sure how you pronounce your name. Sorry about that. Uh, but you mentioned uh, me having said in the past that uh, you speak in tongues so the devil doesn't know what you're saying kind of thing. Mm. I would actually say there's not really merit in that. There's nowhere in scripture where speaking in tongues somehow makes the devil unaware of what you're saying. And um, I, Michael doesn't need yeah. a lot of motivation to speak in tongues. If you ever hang out with him, <laughs> like, hey, Michael, how are you doing? Shit, Don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like talking in tongues all the time, bro. So, so <laughs> Josh, with, Josh, bring it back. No, okay, so with uh, uh, with that one in particular, you're, the the verse that you're you're talking about, well, with tongues is uh, we sp speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and some say well, that hey, you know, we're going to speak in this heavenly language that that angels can't understand or that demons can't understand the problem with that. Even if that were true, if you are speaking in an angelic language, which I don't think any of us are convinced that you are um, uh, because we think that's hyperbole. You speak in the right. If I know all knowledge, no one has all knowledge. If you, if I have, you know, uh, uh, I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. He's like making these hyperbole uh, 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 connections, uh, kind of almost like sarcasm, like going further beyond what is humanly possible. Um, even if that were true, let's just say you could speak in, in a tongue of an angel, uh, the demonic or Satan in particular is a fallen angel. So it, that wouldn't actually make much sense. Uh, and if it's a known human language, I would assume that the spirits that have been here for thousands and thousands of years speak most of those. Yeah. Um, so I, it doesn't, the tongues doesn't make a lot of sense to me why we think that tongues would confuse demonic 
But you still yeah. have hours. You're a tongue speaker. Oh yeah, I'm, that's just not your motivation. I tongue speak. You, because <laughs> but but I'm doing it to talk to God. This is what First Corinthians 14 tells me. There you go. Right? Not not, not to, to hide from not the to devil. hide from the devil. Uh, <laughs> but again, I don't think devils are omniscient, so I'm not actually. I don't. I don't You're think that they hear it. they're listening to my prayers yeah. frequently. I mean, in another way. Yeah, I'm sure just, when it comes to prayer, they're just so excited to be around that to hear what you have to say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, another way. Whether it's it's, I mean, if that's really your concern. Pray in your head. You know, like, <laughs> the yeah. devil doesn't know that. Okay, so uh, Miller, talk to us about the uh, the phrase "demon possessed." Is this a biblical word, and what are the ramifications uh, for this understanding of demon possessed or uh, demon oppressed or something else? Yeah, so J- Josh made mention this earlier that the the oftentimes when we think of the word possessed, we're not thinking of a biblical picture of it. We're often thinking of a picture that's been given to us from Hollywood. Um, so when you say, "Hey, so and so was possessed," immediately what's conjured into your mind is a movie like The Exorcist, uh, which is again it falls into that side of overinflating the power of the enemy because even at the very end of that film, who wins? Well, the devil, which is not an accurate portrait of of what these things are, what they do to people. And so we need to change the language we use. Uh, possessed is not, in our common vernacular, is not probably the most accurate biblical term to use. Um, so what we have is a Greek word uh, for demon, and they've just simply taken that noun and they've turned it into a verb. Um, it's the same thing we would do if we were going to say, like, uh, you know, h- how do you turn the word theology into a verb? You say theologize. So that's sort of what they've done here with the word demon is they've just, uh, they've added the I-Z-E and and to the end of it. And I think that's exactly what we should do in the English language. We say demonized. Um, Another thing about that, and when we talk about it, is how we we perceive the the conversation. (laughs) So one, I would strike the word possessed from our vocabulary. I would replace it with the word demonized. And then I would begin to think of that word on sort of a, a spectrum so like uh, from like a scale of zero to 10, like zero being, you know, Jesus, the devil has nothing zero in me. And then over here you have level 10 is like uh, the gathering demoniac or the one with legion where his demons got demons. Um, and then there's the vast majority of people that uh, on some level get demonized or somewhere in between that zero to 10 spectrum. So maybe there's a, a temptation that comes from the enemy, but it's a temptation that's easily rejectable. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you feel it and you go, ah, I don't want that. Uh, maybe that's like level one demonization. Um, you know, maybe you've got some other examples in scripture of people who are like, let's say a stronghold of the mind that we mentioned earlier. Uh, that might be a little bit yeah. higher level. It's a, it's a systematic way of thinking that you've had for a, a prolonged period of time and it needs to be torn down. So on some level, that person is demonized. Right. Uh, so maybe like, that, maybe like Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, where it says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. So he's telling us to deal with our anger with a with a deadline. And the deadline is when the sun goes down. So deal with your anger that day. And if you don't, the devil will get a foothold. And so um, if we're using your spectrum of a one to 10, uh, Miller, where 10 is like the garrison demoniac, some extremely demonized person, somebody who has had a held on to a grudge for a week, right? Like it's not going to be to the level not of religion, right? But yeah. it's also, I mean, you're holding on to a grudge for a week. I'm not going to say you're demonized every single time, but I'm going to say you're in dangerous territory and some, uh, it, you know, it, 
Paul's implication is that if you hold on to the grudge for more than a day, that you put yourself in danger of a demonic, satanic foothold. So I would put that maybe in the early stages, somewhere toward the beginning or middle of demonization, being under the influence of a demon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of which, and we'll yeah, get to so this later, get, unforgiveness is actually one of the hugest gateways to demonic activity in your life. We'll get to that later, though. Yeah. I don't, don't want to jump ahead. Okay. Yeah, so uh, another question that typically comes up is, can a Christian be demonized? Now, Josh and I, we've we've talked about this. We've had a history of talking about this particular topic. And I think two years ago, and I may be off on the timing of this, Josh, was it two years ago when you and I filmed an episode where we I'm debated at, whether or not a Christian could be demonized. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, can well, didn't, y'all, well, didn't y'all have a different position on it back then? Oh yeah, uh, my, my position. Did you was come different. around? Um, yeah. You so I caught I, a few I, demons, and then you're like, okay, I guess a Christian can get it. <laughs> no, that's not exactly what happened. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I, I'm open to the idea. I think I think what happens is that we get into these. Uh, so I was raised in a classical Pentecostal tradition and there's a theological framework that that is built there that is not i mean it's logical but it's not strictly biblical mm-hmm. um and i don't mean again that's not an attack on it's not unbiblical it's not you're unbiblical saying. Uh, the, it's ultimately making an argument from silence you know that um to have the spirit in you means that you're saved right the spirit comes in you for salvation the spirit comes upon you for power right so they'll make the kind of distinction that a, a false spirit like not the holy spirit can come upon you to oppress a christian right like like uh paul Demon was oppressed, oppressed but not possessed but not let not level 10 meat puppet right um and then you you also you have to kind of get into that kind of questioning of like you know I, there are guys who black out and beat their wife and kids you know and come to find out there's a devil and then we take care of that but then you ask yourself like did something get so out of hand that you're able to like completely lose control in like murder and rape and beat like is that a christian it gets into kind of a weird territory of like it does it's kind of hard how demonized can a christian get yeah well for you since you believe in apostasy you can believe that basically it works, they, they it works stop becoming a christian easy. and then they get at least potentially i mean yeah. because that's the thing is is if you're saying hey i'm a christian and you're like okay why do you have a demon well i've been living in unrepentant sin for 13 years it's like you like you you won't forgive your dad it's like yeah and you're a christian yeah so you're refusing to forgive like most churches would excommunicate that person is a definitely person. demonized yeah yeah like like most most christians would excommunicate a person that's living with their spouse for 13 years that's a sin that they're not willing to repent of so it's like you kind of get into this weird water where it's like okay yeah so so here, here's here's ultimately what i'm trying to say is is as a as as of right now, I think that a Christian can definitely be oppressed by a demon, uh, and because the Bible doesn't make which a clear we, distinction, which you would say is synonymous with being demonized. That's what we're saying is that because there's not a clear distinction in the scriptures themselves on oppressed and possessed, that that I'm willing to say, okay, there's there's some ground there. Well, okay, but like level ten meat puppet, I still go, I don't know, like how much control can a demon have over you? Well, before you're still you're still a Christian. We, we don't necessarily want to make today's conversation about that entirely. Again, we've yeah. got an episode we did where yeah. Josh and I kind of fleshed through a bunch of this, and we'll have the link on the uh, on this YouTube video. Yeah. Can I say just one um, thing on this, Miller? Sure, um, sure. Because I, I want to say why I don't like the language of demon-possessed. Sure. Is that, like, it suggests that Satan owns that person. That's he right. He possesses that person. But we know from Ephesians 2, Satan owns 
all non-believers, right? That's right. Okay. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins when you walked in the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work and those who are disobedient. So Satan is your God. He owns you, but then you were bought at a price. First Corinthians chapter six, whenever uh, you were born again, you were bought at a price. So if you belong to Jesus... You can't be possessed by the devil because Jesus doesn't share with the devil. I mean, that's that's contradictory. And so to me, the language of possession speaks of which camp are you? Like, are you a Christian or are you not? If you right. are a Christian, mm-hmm. you are owned by Jesus. If you are not a Christian, you are, in a sense, owned by the devil. So I don't like that. I just, let's stick with the language of Scripture. The language of Scripture is demonized. I like it. Even that though actually, our English which, translations don't say the word demonized. Yeah, by but the large, ESV, the, the English Standard Version, I like it. It usually, I don't know if every time, but at least usually that I've seen, it translates it uh, oppressed by a demon, okay. which is essentially the same thing as demonized. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would prefer that over the word possessed as well, because it does imply ownership. Yeah. Uh, and we, we think of demonized, it doesn't guarantee a certain level it just on some level that we know that the person is being harassed by an enemy spirit. Now to what degree, that's why we have that sliding scale and that's how we, we should think about this. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to like, we have scriptural examples for, for Christians, let's change the language. Then can a Christian be from, from can a Christian be possessed to can a Christian be demonized? Um, that's really the question we're asking. Can they be, uh, influenced or impacted, uh, by an enemy spirit. And to that, I would say yes. Um, and now the, the scriptural references, Josh, what was the one you pointed out to me earlier when we were talking on the phone today? Yeah. So one of them that's frequently used is in Luke chapter 10, a daughter of Abraham. The, the problem I have with this text and the problem I think most charismatics, Pentecostals that don't have this view that a Christian can be oppressed is that in this specific situation, we're talking about someone who's saved under the old covenant. And there's a different relationship between Old Testament saints and the Holy Spirit and the New Testament saints and the Holy Spirit. Um, so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Uh, the Christ come to set you free. There's just kind of a new kind of relationship that Christians have from uh, uh, from the Old Testament saints. So in, in Luke chapter 10, uh, there was a daughter of Abraham who had a, yeah, a Luke spirit 13. of... Oh, Luke 13, a spirit of infirmity. She was Let me just over, read it right? really quick. Go for it. Okay. Read the Bible so, theology Jesus podcast. teaching on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten her, herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you're freed from your disability, which, remember, she had a spirit of disability. He laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. She glorified God. Um, religious people get all mad. Then Jesus answers, you hypocrites, does, does, uh, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger, it was a Sabbath, and lead it away to water? Not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So, um, so Miller's argument is, hey, she's a daughter of Abraham. She's a believer and even as a believer, had a disabling spirit. And so uh, it follows that a believer can be demonized. Mm-hmm. And Josh is saying, well, the Pentecostal camp that I was in would articulate it differently because for them, the emphasis on Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming upon you, which was not the same under the Old Testament, made all the difference. So would you say under Pentecostal theology that well, yeah, people could be demonized in the in the Old Testament, 
but now in the New Testament, Christians can't be demonized. Uh, in, in the conversation that me and Michael had earlier, wasn't even to say that this is a good passage for either or. It's just that this passage isn't clear enough for us. Okay. Uh, there are New Testament passages that I think are more clear, um, which I, I was going to say is like the the Second Corinthians passage where Paul says that he had a thorn in the flesh, a, a messenger from Satan sent to buffet him. That's demonization, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's some level yeah. of oppression. There's no difference between oppressed and, and possessed in the scripture. An yeah, so so I would say that one is a clear example of demonic activity involved in a Christian's life. Mm-hmm. Now, there there are examples I would say in um, uh, another one that that is often used in First uh, Corinthians. I have it in my notes five. here. Yeah, First Corinthians chapter five, and and I don't think this one's a great example e- either, um, because in this specific situation, uh, the church is no longer confident in this person's salvation, so they're not willing to share with him the Lord's table. They're not willing to announce to the world that this person is a member of the body of Christ, so they excommunicate him. And, and the phraseology that's used is to deliver such a, a, a one unto Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So this one's actually suggesting that the spirit of this man's not saved. So hopefully through the destruction of his flesh, through suffering, that he might be brought to salvation. So if we're going to use this as an example to say that that a Christian was delivered over to Satan, I don't know if this is a Christian being delivered over to Satan, but actually someone who's not a Christian, who's benefiting from covenant relationship with God that is being excommunicated so that they can come to salvation. So I don't think both the Luke 13 and the 1 Corinthians 5 are like crazy solid examples, but I do think 2 Corinthians 12, 7 of the thorn in the flesh is a solid example. And um, so the, the result here is that we all agree that a Christian can be demonized, can, yes. have, can be afflicted on some level by an enemy spirit. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I think we all have uh, scripture for that, but I, I think also we all have we all have experience for that. Um, yes, casting yeah. demons out is something. I don't do it every week, but every every month I'll cast a few demons out. I mean, it's pretty common. Uh, honestly, it's just uh, in context. I mean, I'm as a pastor. I'm I meet with people, I counsel with people, and a lot of times there's a demonic origin and. I don't think I could fully do my job without casting demons out. So let's go perfectly every frank. every other month I cast out a demon. Does that people hear that they think demoniac level ten meat puppet? Yeah, no, it's not. Start that. hearing a voice. No, I've, oh, I've probably Lord, had we've heard of you two instances in my entire ministry that were that that kind of situation. Okay, so how do you know you cast out a demon if they're not growling at you? You say that similarly. Just a, yeah, to corroborate Michael's experience, my own experience is similar in that uh, there's probably maybe once a month, maybe every other month where I'm dealing with something where uh, that's that's probably demonic. And only on a few occasions have I had the higher level where the person is speaking in a demonic, uh, demonic entity has overtaken that person's ability to speak. So uh, that's a very rare thing that I've seen. But by and large, I've seen a lower level, call it level five, level six on that sort of spectrum that we've given um, demonization. Yep. Okay. So how do you know, Michael? How do I know I've cast a demon out? Yeah. Like every other month. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, like if, if you're going to make the claim, I've um, cast a demon, like probably. Yeah. Well, usually, uh, I mean, there are a few ways. So one is when I'm, first of all, I... I do have the spiritual gift of discernment of spirits. So sometimes I'll see something or sense something. Uh, oftentimes the person will sense something uh, and they'll uh, sometimes they'll feel something physically shift in their body. Yeah. 
sometimes, uh, I mean, it, this isn't often, but sometimes they'll they'll feel a need to like throw up or something like that. But that that only is very honestly in my experience pretty rare. Um, but uh, why are you laughing? I was just gonna say every time I hear you pray, I want to throw up. This was bad. I'm so sorry. Jack, Jack told me this story about like he was at this conference and uh, and he's like he told the people he's like. It, the person that he was preaching alongside, always they would pass throw up buckets when he would do deliverance ministry. He's like, "Hey, will you guys please not pass throw up buckets for people that are like getting <laughs> demons cast out?" And he's like, "They pass the throw up buckets out anyways." <laughs> and he's like, oh my God. Okay, so charismatic. So to your anyway, point, so to your point, digressed. It, it's it, it is pretty speculative. That some um, of these people feel a level no, of... No, you haven't let me finish. Okay. You haven't let me finish. Okay, sorry. Okay. I got to the vomit. Uh, I got distracted. Okay, so... Some of it is subjective. Some of it is okay. uh, Some of it is uh, speculative, just like every single encounter you've ever had with the Holy Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, um, I would say there's the fruit. So if I cast uh, demons out of somebody who has a porn addiction and they never look at porn again, That's a way. I'm going to say something happened. Yeah. And I, I have some examples I think we'll show next week, uh, some video testimonies. Uh, one of a lady that I prayed for who was uh, demonized. And then another video of a person that Michael and I both prayed with, where Michael was operating in discernment of spirits and the person got free. And so we'll, we'll put those videos and have them prepped for next week and try to keep them as short as we can. So we Miller, can you're so it. good at that, like holding on to stories. Like, uh, that's, yeah. that's such a, an important element at growing in the supernatural and, uh, and just grow. I mean, okay. All the gifts of the spirit of supernatural, but like, uh, just having the stories, preserving the stories. I think God really honors that in you, Michael, that you hold on to these stories and you cherish them. And I think it really stirs faith, uh, for, and, and I think it, it, like from the Lord's perspective, it's like, he looks down on somebody who remembers the great things that he has done. And he says, I'm going to keep doing great things through that person. So I really honor <laughs> I, you for that, Michael. I think, I think you're making me sound better than I am. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I think I just feel guilty that like you have stories <laughs> about me that I forgot. <laughs> oh, you'll remember this one pretty quick. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, video, it's recorded. It's someone else's testimony. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about the next co- part of the conversation is uh, where did these things come from? Are all demons the same? Uh, did did this have they always Mordor. been around? They, yeah, so this yeah, more sure. It's a tradition. Yeah, I think I saw I read that in uh, Origin said something about that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I can't keep going. Go ahead, Miller. <laughs> no, you're killing me here. Um So let's talk about some of the passages of Scripture. We've got uh, Isaiah 14, um, chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. And the reason I connect this one with a supernatural entity is because of the way that Origen will later use it in First Principles and Cyprian and his treatise on baptism. Uh, So we sort of see those guys connecting this figure uh, of Isaiah chapter 14 with uh, Satan himself. So do you want me to read that? Yeah, please. All right. This is verse 12 through 15. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you've said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. 
Nevertheless, you'll be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. So Cyprian and Origen will both call this figure Satan. Um, now, I, I, you know, I know that Isaiah, when he wrote this, it's interesting because it seems like he's talking about an actual earthly king, but that this king is sort of a, a personification of the enemy himself, uh, Satan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the language that he uses, fallen from heaven, star of the morning, stars were uh, imagery used to discuss celestial beings, angels, son of the dawn. Uh, I think he mentions Eden in there, if I remember right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it all sounds like, and I would say most uh, theologians that I've read tend to think that it has a double meaning, that it's about, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's about a king. I believe this is king of Tyre, right? Uh, the king of yeah. Tyre, but also uh, about Satan. So we've got that passage. We've also got a passage out of Revelation chapter 12. Uh, and actually, Michael, I'd like you to read this and tell me your thoughts on this. Having known you just did a huge series on Revelation in your church. Okay, I'm, sure you, you I'm going to have a different it. interpretation than your notes. So. Oh, good. Well, then, <laughs> then let's deal with a misconception. How's that? Oh, uh, sure. Um, well... It's his tail swept down. Uh, so this is like a vision of the dragon uh, in uh, Revelation 12. So the dragon is clearly the devil. Everyone's in agreement on that. But um, I don't know if I can flip my Bible to the cross reference fast enough. But um, what's the cross reference? Uh, I think it's Daniel 810, if I remember right. Okay. So um, anyway, so Satan uh, sweeps his tail and a third of the stars of heaven are cast down to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman to, you know, to eat the child, right? To devour the child. So it's commonly said that those stars are angels, that the, the devil swept a third of the angels out of heaven alongside him. And, uh, and so that this was the primordial fall of the devil. And that's what I've heard taught for many years. Now, when I studied this, I came to a different conclusion. Now, Heiser has a different conclusion. Okay, is Daniel 8.10 about yeah. what I thought? Yeah, Daniel okay. 8.10. So it? the thing that you have to understand about Revelation is out of something like 226 total verses, it's something around there, uh, there are about over 400 allusions to the Old Testament. So some verses alluding to multiple verses. So you have to have the background of the Old Testament in order to interpret it. What does Daniel 8.10 say? So in, in light of a little horn, it talks about a little horn growing great. And in verse 10, it grew great even to the, the host of heaven the stars, and yeah. some of the hosts uh, and some of the stars, it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about? So in, in that context, I, I believe that that's Antiochus Epiphanes IV, uh, an, an antichrist type of figure, but before Christ came. And, uh, and, and it speaks of with the stars representing the Jewish people that he's trampling. And uh, it doesn't mean that there's not some celestial kind of warfare type of deal in the background going on. That's a whole other debate. But, uh, but the point is the stars represent people there. I think the stars represent people here. And the adjacent context in Revelation 12.1 uh, with a woman with a crown of star, 12 stars, which would be the 12 sons of Israel. So you have adjacent context as well as a biblical illusion that suggests the stars are people. And so I believe mm -hmm. this is Satan's trampling ministry of the saints. And so the wow. first movement in Revelation 12 uh, of the first six verses takes us to Satan trampling the saints, the Old Testament saints throughout history. Mm -hmm. And then as you get to the third movement, uh, verses 13 through 17, it's the saints throughout New Testament history. Now, that's my interpretation of it. It's debated, but um, 
Anyway, so I actually don't think it's about demons. Awesome. And Michael, your turn. That's a, I'm writing a book oh, about I, Revelation, though, so there you go. It's no, my mind's it's good. There. Uh, I just finished I, that chapter. I offer no rebuttal, so I, I actually haven't challenged that. That's just sort of what I've been taught, and I've accepted in the past, and I think you might be right. So uh, I'm glad that you are offering that. This is good either way, because for our audience, it allows us to deal with something that might have been a misconception in a general sense and one that I've adopted. I mean, um, Heiser will teach that that uh, that passage there is a futuristic event that hasn't happened yet. Uh, and that at the end, as we're overcoming through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, as the gospel is going forward, demonic powers are being pushed back. And as one of the climaxes of us overcoming the enemy, that the enemy is cast down from his spiritual throne, if you will. Oh, so and, and, you're talking about when it gets to Michael casting Satan. Yeah. Out. So, so this passage right here is is that the earth, as the earth is going forward, we're, we're advancing through the preaching of the gospel, teaching and preaching of the gospel. This is what Heiser would say. We've actually got this on probably one of the most viewed videos on Remnant. He 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 kind of talks about this about preaching and teaching of the gospel as that goes forward. What that does is it, it it pushes back demonic strongholds and demonic principalities, and it kind of leaves them on this little island of heaven, if you will, until we push them back. So so far that they're cast down to the earth and there's kind of like that's when the third of them falls so he says that that huh. event hasn't happened yet that it will happen in the future uh, and it didn't happen at the garden of eden yeah. that satan a third fell then. i yeah and i would say that i agree that something like that happens sure that the church pushes back the kingdom of darkness romans six twenty. uh the god of peace will Wait, soon crush that sounds, satan that sounds pre-mill michael Ooh. The God, well, Romans six, your guns, bro. Romans six twenty. The God, <laughs> God of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. So God will use the people of God. Uh, same with Luke ten. We're not going to get into all of it. I meant post mill. Anyway, you know what I meant. I yeah, said yeah. Pre-mill. I meant post mill. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, that looks, sure. that's that more optimistic. More that yeah, more but 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 I don't think that's what Revelation twelve is saying. But hey, Doctor Heiser, who am I to disagree? I with mean, him? The yeah. Um, anyway, let's, but I, I think what we're getting at here, yeah, and just to maybe kind of put all this in context, Miller, for our discussion today. Uh, the reason I think this is important is that. We want to really be students of Scripture. We want to really go to the Bible to get our demonology. I mean, everything about God, everything about Satan, everything about demons. I don't need to go to some New Age cult book uh, in order to figure out about demons. I don't need to go to the you know Exodus, the Book of Exorcist movie, right, or the Book of Enoch. Well, no, there's an interesting one. There's a debate we can have. But my point is, it's here in the Scripture. Let's just be students of the Scripture. And as Josh said at the beginning of the show, let the Scripture guide us in how we approach demons and demonology. Okay, Miller, run with it. Let me me sum up something here. So we know for sure that demons exist because the Scriptures talk about demons, right? They talk about evil spirits. We know for sure that there are angels that are are sort of higher-level demons, uh, principalities, archons. Um, that also exist that are not for our good. Can I um, can I maybe fill in some blanks there, Michael? When you yeah. when you say that, you mean that there are there are demons that are here on this earth, and there are spiritual beings such as angels. Like there that you might they might even be different classes of beings that there are like yeah. seraphim, uh, cherubim, angels are different created creatures that are spiritual. A lot of people will say that anything that lives in the heavens is an angel and they'll categorize any spiritual being as an angel. And because demons are spiritual beings, that they must be angels as well. But, but we're saying we're not lit. We're not walking no. with that, those kinds of categories. We're saying that there yeah. are spiritual beings, fallen and unfallen spiritual beings. Exactly. And okay. so that, that I say that just to sort of sum things up because we know that we are dealing with these things. But to answer where they quit, where they come from, that's where we get a little bit less certain about. And so we do have that passage that I mentioned in Isaiah 12. Obviously, the, the passage 
or Isaiah 14. And then the passage uh, in Revelation is obviously debatable. Um, and then we've got some other stuff that's pretty hotly debated uh, that Michael Heiser, like I mentioned earlier, had brought to light. And that has to do with the Genesis 10, 11 account, the Deuteronomy 32. I'm just sort of summarizing this because we just don't have time to get into it. And we've done episodes with Michael Heiser where we've already discussed these things. Um, and then we've got another uh, reference to the book of Enoch, um, which it may play a part. And I really don't know. I don't know what to do with that book. Uh, I think Michael Heiser's made a very compelling case. But Michael, does it sound like you might argue against it? Uh, I, I'm not necessarily. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Call, it's it's not as authoritative as scripture. Yeah. Is it helpful and is it informative? And if you look, yes. And if you look at the early church fathers, some of them thought it was scripture and the rest of them thought it was maybe like the next best thing, but not scripture, right? So, not scripture, but still helpful. So informative. still helpful. So um, I don't know. I think uh, this point on the book of Enoch is uh, is worth considering. It's maybe a little bit speculative for me, but it's worth considering. Yeah, so the, cosmolo- we'll, me- the cosmology is interesting. What I'll, what I'll say, though, is 2 Timothy 3.16, we come to this all the time, right? Um, you, you've got this from as a childhood, right? All scriptures God-breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. So, so everything that you need to be equipped with to cast out a demon can be found in this book, mm-hmm. right? Agreed. The good work of casting out demons, that's good. All that you need can be found in this. And if it's not in here, and we're, you don't we're need really. It. When we talk about Book of Enoch, we're really getting into speculation. But That's it's, right. it's so that we can help answer a question that we don't necessarily have an answer for. Yeah. Uh, that being, where do these things come from? And yeah, but- I'll just summarize briefly what the what the theory is behind the Book of Enoch. Is that it elaborates on what happened in Genesis 6. When you have these angels that procreated with women and they had this offspring of giants. Um, well, the book of Enoch will elaborate a great deal on that and say that these giants end up getting judged. They, they die and they're cursed to the earth to live an eternal life because they were born of angels. Um, but since they were also, so there's the eternality part, but then because they were born of women on the earth, they would be cursed to the earth as evil spirits on the land. And so, uh, there is some, uh, theory that basically says that's what we're dealing with when we're casting out demons is oftentimes it's these these evil spirits disembodied on the earth that came from spirits. that yeah 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 hey hey Miller um so uh, actually did I interrupt you because I really no no that was it you're I good just, I really just want to make sure we have time for your story and uh, sure. and I also want to say to those who are in the chat. A lot of you ask questions, and I and I read them, and they were really good questions. I wanted that to answer them, yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't. So please resubmit those uh, in a format that uh, the ones of, the ones that will be media at theremnantradio.com. If you do your video question, it's going to be more likely to be answered. If you can just send me your questions, we'll answer those to yeah. the best of our ability. But we're well. we're trying as much as possible to stick with the script here, and so uh, and so we weren't able to answer those as much as we uh, as we usually like to, but. Uh, Miller, we definitely want to to hear your story. So because we, we began the show by <coughs> you saying this is important to me because it was a huge part of my freedom journey. It was a huge part of sure. me being set free and walking in wholeness in my life. And uh, as a, a close friend of you, I've witnessed it, man. It is night and day difference after you were set free from some really real demonic stuff and uh yeah and so i I wonder if you could tell uh tell that story for us uh for the benefit of of uh of just our viewers uh some of whom might struggle with some of the same things yeah 
So, and just to be clear, next week, we're going to cover a lot more content on this stuff that we didn't get to. We didn't even get through half the notes that we had for the show. So um, now my story is interesting. Uh, so when I was a kid, um, parents divorced, it's about a year old. Uh, my dad remarried when I was four, never mind the fact that he wasn't paying child support. And so when he remarried, he remarried a woman who had six kids and adopted those kids as his own and then had two more kids. Um, now, I have a different way of, of viewing his decisions today. I don't harbor bitterness towards him or anything like that. But as a, as a young adolescent, you might as well have branded me with a, a uh, word on my forehead that said abandoned or rejection. And so I carried that filter into every relationship I had thinking, you know, and, and I didn't know this. This wasn't on a conscious, conscious level, but uh, underlying the relational decisions I made was this belief that if anybody really got to know me, they would reject me. And so I could only let people get so close, uh, so close to seeing my faults, so close to just seeing me in general, because uh, at the very core of who I was, I thought that if they, they really got to know me, they would see that I was damaged and they would have to reject me. Um, and so that played into my relationships on into my adult life. Uh, at, at the time when I knew uh, Michael Roundtree, um, he would watch me date and I would I would flip flop. I would just sit there and polar... watch him. Like Miller would yeah, go yeah. on dates and I just. <laughs> he just watched from the corner. <laughs> I, like, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd follow him to like CeCe's Pizza and sit yeah. at a different table. <laughs> He'd be with binoculars sitting in the corner. <laughs> uh, so the what I say, I flip flopped. What I mean is I would either date somebody for a little bit. And if they really liked me, I would reject them because there's must be something wrong with them if they liked me. <laughs> and then uh, the girls that I would chase after were always the ones who were walking away. And so if they didn't like me, I thought, well, man, you know, I've got to get them. They must have something special that I needed. And you can see that's sort of a recipe to destroy every relationship. And so I would I would go from rejecting people outright to smothering them and trying to control and manipulating as much as I could to make sure the relationship worked. And it was a, a very uh, trying time in my life. And the reason I mentioned my behaviors was because that's how that spirit of rejection manifested in my life on a regular, repeated basis. And the hardest part about something like that is when you've been living with something that's an evil spirit for so long, uh, it gets so interconnected in your personality. To the point where you don't know who you are and who it is. You don't know what are your thoughts and what are its thoughts. Um, there's another evil spirit I can, I can mention, and maybe I'll save that for the next show. But uh, with this particular one, now here's the interesting thing. At this point in my life, I was seeing miracles. Uh, you know, Michael had been there on multiple occasions when I would see people who had flat feet get healed. Uh, I'd seen deaf ears open up. Uh, I'd seen just a number of of miraculous healings. And yet here I am with this rejection thing that I can't seem to overcome. And so uh, for a large chunk of my life, I thought, you know, that's what I got to do is I just need a miracle. I need to get my miracle to get free of rejection and abandonment. Um, and I was actually, I was treating this the wrong way and didn't know it. I think because I had this expectation that, and, and I'd seen from the past how God could sort of zap certain problems away, but that's what he was going to do for me and just zap it. Um, but in reality, this was sort of that, that, uh, this wasn't going to get dealt with by somebody just trying to cast out the spirit of rejection and abandonment. Um, because this thing was attached to what I would say is a stronghold of the mind, uh, a perpetual, like consistent way of thinking knowledge, uh, that was raised up against the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God tells me, Hey, I love you just the way you are. Um, 
you have worth because I died on a cross. I shed my blood for you to declaring exactly what your worth is. Um, and, you know, you've got other scriptures where he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So all of those scriptures should have screamed to me that I am worth knowing. I'm worth loving. I'm worth sticking around for. But I had this other knowledge, this thing that said, you're not really worth knowing. You're not really worth loving. And for that reason, until I could, I could stop, I could come out and repent from that, that sinful way of thinking, knowledge raised up against God and embrace the idea that I really was uh, worth loving, worth knowing because of who Jesus, what Jesus has done and what Jesus has to say about me, um, I was never going to get free. And so that was a process uh, of systematically tearing down a stronghold. Uh, and I spent an intensive amount of time in, in therapy, uh, counseling uh, to get free of that thing. And, and that really was the, the thing that the underlying thing that allowed that demonic entity to have power in my life. Um, and there's a lot of details I'm leaving out of the story because I actually saw the evil spirit um, at one point in time. I, I literally I woke up in the middle of the night and saw it. And this was after a period of being, well, uh, quite free. And I remember like when I, I saw it in the room, like I'll just give you, sorry, running over a little bit, you guys, I apologize. Um, uh, I woke up at the middle of the night after going through this intense period of counseling and therapy to get free from the, those ways of thinking. And uh, I'm paralyzed and just gripped with fear. I cannot speak. And in the corner of my room, I see this black smoke with red eyes. And it, I open my eyes and I see it. And I watch it literally dart from one room, one corner of the room to the other. And it was like frigid in the room, just freezing cold. And I remember thinking to myself, I know who you are. I remember what you feel like, but you have nothing in me any longer. And, and I just started thanking Jesus. Thank you that you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me, which is a thought that I meditated on regularly because that was the thought. That was the truth that I really needed to be free. I needed that truth to become intimate to me. And so the thing left my, my mouth unlocks and I'm able to speak again. And, and, uh, you know, the, over the next week I, I'm praying about it. I'm going, thinking to myself, God, why is it that somehow, you know, I, I've been living with that thing my whole life. Why is it that now I finally see it? Like I actually saw it. And that's the only time I've ever seen an evil spirit. Um, and I just felt like the Lord say, well, Michael, you no longer think it's just you. There was this sense in which I finally began to recognize this thing as, as for what it was. It wasn't so intertwined in my personality. It had been separated. And so now I could differentiate between what my thoughts were and what it, its thoughts were, what my feelings were and what its feelings were. Um, and yeah, I, I would say, you know, today I'm a happily married man. I don't worry that my wife is going to reject me and abandon me. And I know that even if that were to happen, I am secure in Christ that he still loves me uh, and that, that there is redemption waiting no matter what pain comes my way. So did I sum that up pretty quickly, guys? Dude, that was awesome. That'll that do. was awesome. I'm, I told uh, Michael that I'm glad. Well, as you're telling that story, I'm glad that you repented of taking too much time because if you didn't repent, you know. <laughs> could have left an open door. No, just kidding. Uh, but seriously, uh, guys, for for upcoming episodes, because that's something I want to talk about. I want to talk yeah, about if, hey, if Christians can be actually. Oppressed. Can I interrupt you? Really I mean, quick, if you apologize for it, I'm sorry. Um, so, Miller, I don't, I don't want to leave people hanging too much, but we obviously don't have time for like uh, you. You just spend like the next half hour doing deliverance over the internet. But like um, some people that you were, you know, 
heard your story and said, man, that resonates with me, but I'm still on the, the struggling side of things. Uh, what closing words would you leave for them? Wait until um, next week? Well, I mean, like, what do we say? No, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do believe in counseling and therapy. Uh, I would find a licensed counselor, not, uh, not just somebody who's, who's the pastor, just because I actually needed professional help to deal with my uh, inner demons, so to speak, pun intended. Um, and to let you know, like, listen, I, I lived with this thing up into my thirties. Uh, and, and, and Michael and I knew each other when I was from 22, I guess I was 22 years old when you and I became friends and, and you watched me live with that, uh, up until my thirties. So there was, and it had obviously been there prior to Michael knowing me. So I, I just want you to know there is hope to get free. Um, I think the, the bigger thing is, is, and this is how you sort of know when you're free, when the lie that you, that feels true stops feeling true. And when the truth that God says about us, uh, which ha- in the past for me didn't feel true, starts to feel true. Um, that's when I knew there was a difference. When I would think the thought, um, God, thank you that you love me just the way I am. Thank you that you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. When that would actually bring a great joy and sense of peace into my heart, that was a, a sign of assurance that I actually was free from this thing. And so, again, I, just so you know, this is a process. This is not an overnight thing. And, and there's a lot more I can say about this. And maybe we can take some time at, at another point to talk more. So we, we do want to talk about uh, how, how do we take authority over these things? Uh, how did they get there in the first place in a Christian and a non-Christian? Um, how do we see these people delivered, whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian? Uh, how are these things going to be handled? We, we are going to handle those in later episodes. But we wanted to kind of like demystify and kind of address many of the misconceptions on demonic activity. So in this video, addressing most of those misconceptions in the next video, we're going to really talk about dealing with the demonic. How do we actually cast those out uh, and how do they get in to begin with? Uh, and then we will hopefully at the end of that, the very next week, we will do a live, I call them Q&As. Uh, Michael says, might not be the answer, but it's an answer. Uh, <laughs> it'll be a Q&R, question and response. Yes. So uh, if you guys want to tune in for that, you can send your emails. I've said it a couple times, media at theremnantradio.com, media at theremnantradio.com. Uh, I, I put it in the live chat uh, in the description of this video, links to the prophetic conference that we're doing, links to Patreon are present there. Links to Michael Roundtree's church and Michael Miller's church. Uh, if you want to check out the sermons that they've been preaching, those would be the places that you'd go check that. Miller, Miller, do you even record your sermons, bro? Do you even uh, preach not at your right church? Now. You don't even preach at your church, do you? I do. I do preach at my church, the yeah. They, they read first. <laughs> but we're not quite at the week. point where we've got all the uh, tech for it yet. So no, I, I don't have them recorded and online. Okay, well, we'll work on that here in the next couple of weeks. We'll get we'll get Miller set up to record his sermons. You guys can <laughs> listen in and critique his stuff here pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that invitation, Josh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, awesome. And then uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. We're doing the Trinity. Uh, was was it the Trinity on Monday with Matthew Barrett? Yeah, and ten uh, minute Bible hour. Ten minute is it? By it's a minute hour. What yeah, is it? It's the ten minute Bible hour. Okay. Matt Lots of time words in there. Yeah, he's he's a really cool guy. You guys are going to like him. Very, he's got a really very popular channel. Very popular channel, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, check him out. He's huge. Blessings, huge. guys. We'll see you next week. Peace.
want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek in Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio.